Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Jack Watts, and he published a book last year, 2020. Title of the book is The Three Commas Club, A True Story of Sex Trafficking, Pedophilia, and Murder. And Mr. Watts has written 26 books, and you can look and see what his uh, how many books he's written on his website, which is mcgeeandme.net. So it's M-C-G-E-E-A-N-D-M-E.net. And you can look him up on Facebook. He has like uh, 5,000 friends, 25,000 followers. So you can see a lot of his postings there. Again, it's Jack Watts, W-A-T-T-S. And some of his books are uh, Retaking the USA from Darkness to Depravity, from Darkness and Depravity, 2021. Another is Hi, My Name is Jack, One Man's Story of the Tumultuous Road to Sobriety, 2014. Also Recovering from Religious Abuse, 11 Steps to Spiritual Freedom, 2012. And he's also a prolific author of fiction books. One of the titles is Hunter's Moon, a mystery novel by Jack Watts. That was just this year, June 2021. But again, we're going to talk about this book. It's kind of, he can explain with the title name and about the information in the background. So again, the title of the book is The Three Commas Club, A True Story of Sex Trafficking, Pedophilia, and Murder. So Jack Watts, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for agreeing Thanks to the interview. Happy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people who may not know your name, can you talk about? I mean, you've done a lot, ton of books and many on different to topics. Can you talk about your books and what led you to write the Three Commas Club? Uh, I sure can. To begin with, let me just say that um, for your listeners, I'm going to let them have a free download of the Three Commas Club if they go to my website. They can that they can get an email a book, uh, and it's mcgeeandme.net. Now, uh, when you write books, and I've, uh, I've written quite a few that are for uh, other people. Uh, several of those haven't been published because they, you know, they wanted them for their families and, and, and things like that. But when you write books like I do, and you have a lot of people, particularly on Facebook and, and uh, the social media. People say, Jack, if you just write my story, we could make it into a movie and make a million dollars. I mean, I, I, I have heard that so many times, I can't even tell you. Anyway, one of my friends that I knew fairly well said, said that to me. And because I knew her pretty well, I felt like I should just sit down and start listening to her story. And uh, when I did, and she began to divulge what happened to her, and she and I had gone to dinner several times um, over the years. Uh, I was so stunned, horrified, and intrigued that I decided to write the book. And uh, the title of it, The Three Commas Club, is, it comes from If Your Wealth is So Great That There Are Three Commas In It, It Makes You a Billionaire. So this is about an entitled group of billionaires who think that it is within their purview, within their right 
to traffic underage girls, have sex with them, hold them hostage, and in some cases, even kill them. Now this, uh, when I heard the story, I was just, I couldn't believe it, but it was true. And, and this happened to, to this girl. Now, when I wrote the book, I changed all the names and the places so that number one, I wouldn't get sued. Number two, I wouldn't get killed. People that do the kind of things and write the kind of things that I have written, uh, a lot of times, you know, end up dying for it. And, and I, I didn't want to do that. But at the same time, I do have a manuscript that has all of the correct names and I have put it in the care of eight or 10 different people so that if something happens to me, it uh, has become my insurance policy. And frankly, I bought a shotgun. I, you know, I'm, I'm in my 70s and I have never owned a gun before in my life, but because of the risk to my life and to Emily's, who is the heroine of the story, I bought a gun and she, she's had some real troubles with this. Um, any rate, when we, when we first started out with it, she gave me a call and she said, Jack, I, I, I just have to talk to you. And so we sat down at a Starbucks and this was before the pandemic. And it, it was uh, not long after Jeffrey Epstein had been arrested. And when when he was in jail and some of the things started coming out about what had happened on um little st james um emily her story involved st thomas too so when the when the whole when the whole thing happened she said i i've held this in for 15 years and I just can't hold it in any longer. So she started uh, telling me the story. Now, here, here's what this group, the Three Commas Club, did. And, 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 and when I say they had a club, they actually even had a ball cap made. And on the, um, for the logo, it said, Crotch Cannibal. And on the back, on the little flap, it had something else that was so crude that I'm not even going to mention it. But these people are proud of what they do. They don't see anything wrong in what they do. They think it is their right to do this. And they pursue it. All right, so here's, here's, how, here's how it worked with this group. They had a woman like Ghislaine Maxwell. She had a big diamond ring that the number one villain, I, I called him Magnus Rich. 
he gave her a diamond ring so that she could pose as his fiance, even though he was married and had children at the time. She would go and find these runaway girls primarily in the uh, panhandle area of um, Florida, Pensacola, Destin, Panama City, in that area, uh, runaways. And she would befriend them and say, you know, how would you like to work at a five-star restaurant as a hostess on St. Thomas for the season? There will be lots of rich men there that can help you become the actress that you need to be, the model that you need to be, the movie star that you want to be, whatever it is that, you know, these girls, their eyes would light up. And yes, I would love to do that. They put the girl in a uh, Cadillac SUV with, with tinted windows, drive to the private airport, which was hundreds of miles away, go into a private hangar where all of the security cameras were disengaged, put the girls on a private plane, and they would fly them to St. Thomas. Now, here, here's the thing. All of these pedophile groups that were, the one thing that they had in common was flying into Charlotte Amelie Airport on St. Thomas because it's the only airport that was large enough, had, had the runway long enough to accommodate the kind of planes that they did. So when, when they would fly in, uh, they would take them from there and bring them to the largest state. And the largest state um, had little bungalows and they would put the girl in a bungalow, shut the door and lock it from the outside. The locks weren't on the inside, they were on the outside of the door. This was the particular thing that triggered Emily because th um, that was one of the facts that came out when um, Epstein was uh, arrested. The second time, right? 2019, right? Yeah, this, this, isn't, this isn't in 2008. This is, what, maybe two and a half years ago now. And... Um, so she told me that she, Emily worked at this restaurant too, and, and it was a legitimate restaurant. But what people didn't know was the hostess was the real entree. And these men would come in and, you know, they would uh, make her as their selection. And, you know, they, uh, they these girls didn't have any choice. Right. So the employees and the hostesses who were these girls who were trafficked were working there legitimately, but the rich guys would show up and that would be kind of right. like if you were in Thailand picking up. Yeah, the, yeah the, whole, the whole thing was like a double entendre.
There was one level that was just a legitimate business and a really good restaurant. So the way that it, the way that the whole thing kind of came undone was uh, Emily was supposed to go to um, to the Caribbean on a Friday afternoon, and she got a um, a, a message from her husband. Uh, uh, Thursday evening, he said, don't come, reschedule and come on Saturday. Well, she tried to reschedule, but since it was in season, the next time that she could get there was Tuesday, but she had to be at the restaurant because she was an employee there. Also, she did the books. And so um, even though she was commanded by her husband not to come and, and uh, he was very brutal in the book. I I, I name him um, Bruiser, and uh, for good reasons. And uh, so she decided to come anyway. Uh, when she did, he was furious with her when when he met her at the airport, brought her uh, to the largest state. Uh, she went into the, the bungalow where they normally stay, and he locked her in and wouldn't allow her to come out. Uh, she banged on the door, beat on the door, pulled on the door, did everything that she could. There, you know, uh, went to the refrigerator. There was nothing there. Uh, went to the, you know, to the pantry. There was nothing there. She didn't have any food. Nobody came the entire evening night and and so she, she finally went to sleep when she woke up the next morning um she was as you can imagine fit to be tied she pulled on the door one more time and because she pulled on it so many times the lock was compromised and the door opened and it was like okay i'm out so she walked out and she was going to go to the to the kitchen in the large compound and to get a cup of coffee. By this time, it was about nine in the morning and whatever the emergency had been the evening before, she was off and didn't have any idea of what was happening. The, uh, as she's walking up the stairs past the pool, she hears this large grunt and, you know, kind of like um, when weightlifters, you know, do a snatch and jerk and, uh, and then drop the weights and, and it startled her. So she turned around and looked and these two huge men, she said they were as big as sumo wrestlers, were carrying a girl and the girl's head was back, long hair dragging, feet dragging on the ground and um, Magnus Rich came out and threw two shoes at her uh, both hit her, but she didn't move. So Emily said, oh, my gosh, I think that girl is dead. And she pulled behind a pillar to get out of sight. Her husband saw her, came running at her and hit her like he was a linebacker, you know, taking, taking out a runner. She staggered, but she didn't fall. <clears throat> she went back to her room, no coffee, nothing to eat, anything. Locked herself back in and just sat there shaking. 
about 1.30 that afternoon, her husband came, opened the door, put all of her clothes in with the suitcases that he had kept from her. No phone, nothing, no, no phone cell for surface or anything. And said, you know, um, uh, your lunch is ready. Uh, you need to take a shower, get ready for work. And uh, they need you there early. You need to be there at 3.30 this afternoon. And so this huge no-talk rule developed between them. And it's just kind of that environment. Like I've done a lot of studies on Epstein, Nygaard, who was in the Bahamas. And a lot these kind of stories all play out. The compounds, mystery people, cleaners, just, I mean, there's... A, the Caribbean has a real underbelly and uh, you talk about like this, the restaurant served a variety of different purposes too, right? It, uh, it did. And um, uh, it, it was on situated on a, on a cliff that was where fishermen went and fish below, you know, um, commercial fishermen and, Emily thought that that these girls that 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 when they were because they, they they would work for a week or two and then you would never see them again. She thought they were being murdered. Now the one we're pretty sure was dead, and this this got so um, so she told so she told me the whole when she told me the story and you know the the initial thing that your listeners would say well why didn't she come forward well it's because they you know her husband you know beat the living you know what out of her numerous times one time going so far as to take a broken scotch bottle um that he smashed and disfiguring her vagina with it for which she nearly bled to death. He you know, ended up having to bring her to a hospital, but not to the emergency room where she would be admitted, admitted um, and where there would be you know, um, law enforcement, but through a side door and someone who was not a physician sewed her up and was paid a large amount of cash. As, and because that happened, it seemed like this is something that um, they had already established because it, it happened before. So she's telling all of the, all of this. And, you know, I make the commitment to write it all out. And then Epstein's murdered. Now, you know, your, your listeners or a lot of people would say, well, he, you know, he, you know, they, they say that, you know, that, that he hung himself. Um, it, it really doesn't matter whether he did or not as far as I'm concerned about this because she was so convinced that he killed himself. Uh, excuse me, that he was murdered. Murdered, yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of have that position too, right? I think he was murdered. I don't think he committed. Yeah, yeah I, that is my position. And it's I'll my tell position. you my position. When the, you know, the, when the two police officers custodians both fell asleep they did a toxicology on them and found that they had uh 
uh, sodium nitrate or is it sodium nitrate is you know the, the laughing gas what what dentists give you to sedate you in their uh, systems so right. it was piped in um nitrous oxide nitrous oxide so uh to to make them go to sleep right. so it's that's why they fell asleep i mean and the only people that could do this capable of doing this would either be the cia the FBI or MI6 and MI6 because of uh, the potential, you know, with, uh, with the Royal family. Right. Duke of York. Right. Yeah. Andrew. So, I mean, so this is just like any rate, but it's important because it shows that people were, all these girls came forward after Epstein died. So they were all way too scared until that moment. And I think it ties into this story too, this kind of uh, environment of fear. Uh, terror, terror, better word, absolute terror. Uh, so Emily says, I'm done. I'm, uh, you know, I've changed my mind. I don't want to do this. I, I don't want a book. I don't want it out there. I, you know, I, uh, I don't want to get killed. I'm, I just want, uh, you know, I just want it all to go away and, and, you know, to keep the shades drawn and hide and fear the rest of my life. And of course here, I know all of this stuff and it's like, well, wait a minute, we, we made an agreement that I would write this and I got to do that. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to, we've got to tell the authorities about this and no, no, Jack, I'm not going to do it. I, I just absolutely don't want to do it. I've changed my mind. I said, well, you're making me an accessory after the fact if if I don't come forward with this. And I wasn't willing to do that. So I finished it without her. And then one of my friends called uh, who was running for, for office. And I had um, I'd put a little post up telling people they ought to vote for her. And she saw it. She's, oh, Jack, that was so nice of you. I really appreciate that. She had been a uh, state rep for a while, and she was a, a lawyer, and she was running for to be a Supreme Court judge. So um, I said, you know, do, do you have a few minutes? Can I tell you a story? And so I, I, I briefed her about everything that I had done. And, of course, she was just mesmerized, just like I hope your audience is. <laughs> and... Um, and she said, so she said, well, I, I agree with you. You, you know, you have no choice. You can't, you, you can't keep, you sit on this and you know, you got to come out with it. So, um, she called the U S attorney, the deputy U S attorney for the state and, um, told him all about it. He said, well, I want to talk to Jack. So, the next morning I got on the phone for 45 minutes and I, and I talked to the, to the deputy U S attorney, um, for the jurisdiction that this would be in. And now let me just say one other thing, um, and, and kind of go back here for one minute when they would take these girls to the airport to, you know, to the private airport where the, where the jet was. And, you know, this wouldn't be, you know, like a major airport like LAX or, or, or Hartfield Jackson, but, but the bigger 
um, private airports that are around. And they would bring them in and they would fly them to St. Thomas. But because St. Thomas is the U.S. Virgin Islands, it's not taking them out of the country. So there were no p- passports required. There, were, there was no um, um, going through customs or anything of the nature. So this really made it sweet for the pedophiles. All right. Now, uh, getting back. So I talked to the U.S. attorney and he said, well, I want to have an interview uh, with you and Emily with the FBI present. Can you arrange that? And I said, absolutely. So I call her and she just went nuts. I'm not going to talk to the FBI. I'm not going to talk to, and you, you shouldn't have told them. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, she, she was scared, big time scared. Well, it's probably very wise to be scared considering that uh, Epstein was an informant for Robert Mueller back in 2007. I don't know if you're aware of that, but. Well, so she wouldn't do it. I uh, called the U.S. attorney back and said, um, you know, it'll take me a little bit while longer to get her to be willing. And um, in the interim, um, he talked to the FBI and uh, they called and asked me to interview So I went and sat down with two agents for close to two hours, went through every single thing. I felt real, I felt really good about it. I, you know, this is, you know, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Um, uh, that has been, you know, my motto for my whole adult life. And uh, I was glad, uh, to, you know, to put all of this out there and to just, um, to just be straightforward with it. And, well, and what happened with after that two hour meeting with the FBI? Not a damn thing. Zip. Zero. Nada. Not, not even a return call, nothing, not a, nothing. Not a thank you. Thank you for sharing your information. Uh, I, I, you know, that was, uh, that was the most, that was the worst of, of, of the whole thing. You know, when you, I, I just don't get it. I, you know, when I was a kid, my, one of my favorite shows was Ephraim Symbolist and the FBI. I love that show, you know, and, and I believed it and I believed in them. And, you know, I, sometimes I'll, I'll uh, listen to Sean Hannity on the radio and uh, through all of the, of, of the stuff with, uh, you know, with Comey and, and, and Mueller and all the rest of it, he, he would say, well, you know, the top echelon is rotten, but, you know, 99.8% of the FBI is straight. I don't believe that anymore. I don't. Um, I, I, I have uh, zero confidence in our secret police. Um, you know, zero. I, I, I just don't see it. And 
you know, after Epstein, um, these people are still doing things like this. Now, they aren't doing it in, in St. Thomas. All of this happened in from 2003 to maybe 2008, once Epstein was originally arrested in um, Palm Beach, right? He was arrested Palm in Palm Beach, Beach originally, right? Yeah, Palm Beach County. Um, they sold what they were doing down there, left the islands completely um, because they, they, you know, they thought that they would be exposed. Right. Now, you said they were terrified when he got arrested. Like it, it was like a rock got dropped in a puddle and re reverberated through the Caribbean. Or whatever. Well, and of course it is true. And, you know, they, Epstein was not just liked by them. He was venerated. He was the, you know, he was the um, LeBron James of perversion. They referred to him as, you know, the, the gray haired dude. I mean, you know, just like, you know, King James, uh, you know, the gray haired dude. And, you know, and they replicated the things that he did. And now, uh, you know, they're they're operating in Las Vegas. Uh, all of these pedophiles, you know, that that's that's kind of one of that's one of their that's the happy hunting ground for these uh, predators. And, uh, you know, uh, still, are, you know, do they have the, a woman that's that's pulling them in? That I don't know, because um, uh, Emily finally got up enough courage, you know, to, to, you know, when her husband beat her enough times that she just kind of backed off and he finally divorced her. Um, in, in when he when he divorced her, he pulled a gun on her put it to her head and said, uh, go online and, and, and get, you know, a, you know, a cheap divorce thing and, and we'll put down the terms of it. And like somehow, like somehow in the United States, even, I mean, I don't care how bad some of the things are. You can't get away with that. In the United States of America, you know, have a, have a divorce at gunpoint. Right. Yeah. I mean, just crazy stuff. And how did this, where's the story at now after the FBI did nothing? It's just, have there been any additional events? Well, there, they, not any additional events that would involve either uh, Emily or me. I, I put all of this out uh, for the express purpose of saying, this is the kind of thing that happens. It happens all the time. These um, these children that come across the border that are unaccompanied, they're almost all sex trafficked. It's a, it's this is evil on steroids. Yeah, Epstein. Do you think Epstein was taking kids from Venezuela up through the Caribbean, kids from Mexico to to up through New Mexico? So just all kinds of stuff. So there's really dark, evil stuff going on. Um, well, the, you know, the, and 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 frankly, the you know the value of uh, little boys at this point is even greater than than young girls. 
uh, because there's so much um, homosexual um, perversion and pedophilia. Um, so as as the as the depravity escalates, um, these men are doing whatever is right in their own eyes with impunity and law enforcement is looking the other way looking the other way right i mean and, and Ghislaine is going to trial i think in november so it's only like four weeks away when she starts so that might expose a lot of additional information but you you, you might think so william but that's not the way it uh last week there was a court order that and her all of her contacts were supposed to be revealed last week how many of them have been revealed probably none i don't know none Tell me none yeah none so so these these people and of course you know that's what the three commas is all about they are hyper wealthy and they will use any and all of their power and influence and wealth to hide their depravity. Yeah, Epstein was known to have $560 million in his estate. I wonder what else that they couldn't find, you know, like those were his above board findable assets. So um, he was at least halfway there to the Three Commas Club. And where's the best place for people to read this whole story? Well, um, it's on it's on Amazon. So, um, you know that's uh, that's where I put it. Um, uh, some of my books are, you know, Simon and Schuster have published some of my books, but this one was um, so scary. I didn't even bother to, you know, um, to use a literary agent to try and find a publisher, and I and I wanted it out there, and I was so uh, I thought that it would I'd be safer. And Emily would be safer if we got it out there and lots of people read it. And of course, uh, personally, I'm more interested in people reading the story than I am in making a couple of bucks. That's why I'm, you know, put it up, put it up on mckeeandme.net for for your audience to go ahead and uh, if they want, they can, you know, just download it and um, and read it. Uh, right. You know, that's so fine with me. Right. So people can get the three commas club at McGee and me.net. So MCGE and me.net. And I, I'll, I'll keep that up there um, uh, for a week or two like that. Um, and then I'll take it down. Uh, but I, I just, um, I think it's so important for people to just see for themselves i mean it, it's it's not an easy book to read i mean most of my i mean you can't put it down i can assure you well let me ask you you read it i read the whole thing yeah i mean it was fascinating I, to me it sounded like a completely legit piece of what's going on in that caribbean environment and probably has been happening for the last 40 or 50 years it fits in with all the stuff of palm beach all the people in the caribbean the ultra wealthy transnational uh, interests, uh, tax evasion you talk about, you know, so I think it's all there. And abuse, just really abuse and almost like uh, above the law attitude. So, uh, yeah, it's all in this book. You know what else is interesting? 
is that um, once I put this out uh, and women started reading it, they have contacted me, so many of them, about stories that of things that had happened have happened to them and uh, it, it's been overwhelming really uh, i never ever 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 thought that you know that i would um go down this direction but i felt led to once i you know i mean i i, I didn't think i had a choice it's just like you know this, i gotta use my talent for things that are worthwhile well yeah no it's a worthwhile story so again the author is jack watts and the the title of the book is The Three Commas Club, A True Story of Sex Trafficking, Pedophilia, and Murder. Jack, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. People can go get this book at his website so you can read through it. And uh, it has great reviews. I think you have like 76 five-star reviews on Amazon. So people definitely are uh, enjoying reading it. Yeah, I, I, I get good reviews usually on all of my books. But there are a couple of people that gave me ones. Because they, um, I think because they're on the other side of it might be. Well, I get the same thing. There's other people on the other side of me. I got tons of one-star reviews. But I think people can kind of figure it out. But, Jack, I got to run. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. God bless you. God bless you, too. Take care.